A Robert Wood Johnson Health Foundation report shares that 20% of Latinos indicate that diabetes to be their biggest health issue, followed by cancer. Fact is, a Latino child born today has a 50% chance of becoming diabetic. Also mentioned by Latinos as health concerns were kidney disease, hypertension, and smoking. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. It is the mission of the Latino Research and Policy Center at the Colorado School of Public Health of the University of Colorado to improve the quality of life for Latinos in the state by working to reduce health disparities. They use research, education, and government policy changes to achieve their mission. The center has been instrumental to the State Department of Health to develop the necessary trust among Latino communities to receive the COVID-19 vaccines. On this edition, we visit the work of the Latino Research and Policy Center at the University of Colorado with two of the organization's current principals, Professor Dr. Lisa DeCamp and Professor Dr. Evelyn Barreo. The Latino Research and Policy Center uh, was started in 1997, and the idea was to create a think tank for uh, Latinos and Latino health, particularly focusing on um, disparities, but also other issues such as education, immigration. Um, so it has been uh, in place for uh, a couple of decades. And I got started at the Latino Research and Policy Center, LRPC, back in the year 2000. So it had already been in place. And then I became the director in 2011. And then I stepped down in 2016 and just became associate director of research. Dr. DeCamp, how did you arrive at the center? I've been in Colorado for three years, and um, I had been part of a similar center at my last institution and was looking to continue my affiliation with a center doing work to advance health equity for Latino populations. And so as we were transitioning here, I got introduced to the center, and I'm one of the faculty members for the center. Is there one or two key reasons why why disparities exist in the Latino population? Um, Is it because of maybe where people work, where people live? How does that happen? Maybe not access to affordable health care? I would just say that it is complex. Um, I wish we could just point out to one factor, but it's not any different from uh, how it is potentially at the national level in which a lot of it is social determinants and access, and access broadly defined from early education, higher education, access to health care, access to job opportunities, um, access to government. Um, it is very complex. Uh, Would you like to add to that, too? Sure. So I think we talk a lot about the intersections between the many different factors that contribute to disparities. And so Edwin was talking about if we think about education and where people work and the incomes they earn, we know those all contribute to the health and well-being of people and families. Um, And there just often isn't the same opportunities in education or in the workforce or in advancement in the workforce um, to allow families to earn wages that would lift them out of poverty. And poverty is one of the strongest drivers of health inequities. 
Do you find that there may be different dispar- or different types of disparities depending on the country of origin uh, the person may come from, maybe Cuba versus Puerto Rico versus Mexico versus South or Central America? The, dispar- the, the disparity in different areas may be uh, because of that? So that's, a, I think, a small factor, um, but not the larger. I think the other factors have much more at play. So, for example, we know children from Puerto Rico have some of the worst asthma, um, and so they have a particular risk within asthma, but there are children from all countries of origin who have asthma, and if they have limited access to health care or insurance that doesn't pay for their medicines or parents who work at jobs that don't allow them time off to get to health care or other programs for their asthma, you're still going to see those disparities there. Um, and so the country of origin has some role, but I wouldn't say that it is a primary role. Some of America's policies regarding immigration enforcement and health does that play a role now as well? I would say so, and I would agree with uh, Dr. DeCamp that, you know, country of origin plays a big role and more of what you're saying. Some of it has to do more with the host country's policies, some related around immigration, some related to healthcare in general. And then we know that, you know, communities of color, including Latinos, um, you know, have have less access to all of the social determinants, lack of education, as Dr. DeCamp was mentioning, uh, lack of access to well-paying jobs and lack of access to health insurance. Um, so I think it's less about country of origin and more about the host country. Uh, well, if it's about the host country, is that something the center could be doing some research and to see what types of policies or laws um, we need to change here that could have a more positive effect on health of uh, of immigrants as as they are arriving. Um, absolutely, you know, and I think the one advantage we have is that the literature, the research that has been done, is pretty conclusive about the role of policy and access to underserved populations and the impact that has on their health. And to answer your question about things that we can be doing here in Colorado, um, yes, you know, I think uh, passing a lot of uh, high-level policy, for example, expanding what Medicaid can cover uh, can make a huge difference in terms of not only preventive care, but when individuals need services if they are diagnosed with any conditions that get covered by Medicaid, that, that can really make a big difference in terms of outcomes. I guess, you know, when we're talking about terms of outcomes and things like that, uh, Dr. DeCamp, we, we are still in the throes or at least maybe winding down the throes of COVID-19. And I know the African-American communities had some apprehension about taking a vaccine or if the, uh, if the disease even existed. And I think you found the same thing in Latino communities, and then you also were trying to find ways to get them to get past the fear and the apprehension of getting the vaccine. Sure. So we know that vaccine hesitancy has played um, a role across all populations in uh, getting vaccination for COVID. You know, there's some particular challenges uh, among the Latino population and having information that's credible about the vaccine available 
in a language that they can understand and from information sources uh, that they trust. And so those have been barriers. There's been a wealth of community organizations on the ground who have really been working hard because they are connected to the community. They were connected before the pandemic. They remain connected who have been some of the most successful at increasing vaccination. And so we've been really proud of the work of the community partners that we work with and their really tireless efforts um, to vaccinate the Latino communities uh, here around Colorado. And we just need to continue to, to do that work and to fund that work, right? These organizations can't do this for free. Um, they've done this a lot on the backs of volunteer efforts. So when we think about policy, as you mentioned, you know, we all want to move on, but there's been a long-standing disinvestment in communities of color and a continued sort of let's move on quickly, let's not invest in making sure we close those gaps uh, in vaccines uh, and, you know, access to treatment or support for COVID. Um, you know, that's just really going to continue to have those disparities that we already have persist. And so that's another area where policy and an investment of funding at the state level uh, could help with that, certainly at the federal level uh, as well. Uh, it seems that things are moving pretty slowly at the federal level, so it may be more of a reality at the state level to ensure that we have continued investment in supporting communities of color as we hopefully emerge from the COVID pandemic. The role of disinformation, disinformation has been uh, adversely affecting a number of communities regarding COVID-19. What kinds of dis disinformation have you had to knock down uh, in Latino communities that got in the way of people receiving the vaccines or just taking COVID seriously? As for many, as we've heard, uh, the media, particularly social media, has been a source of disinformation, and it's very hard to counter. We also know that in the Latino community, contacts on WhatsApp, which is another social media platform that works a little bit more like texting. So we have both local or U.S.-born disinformation and then disinformation from other countries because WhatsApp is often used to communicate with families in their countries of origin. Mm -hmm. So it's really been coming at all sides. Uh, but we do know that these local organizations on the ground, local leaders, um, civic leaders, politicians do have a role to play. And we've done focus groups within Latino community organizations about information sources and what they trust. There is a large amount of trust, which was somewhat surprising to us from things like the governor, because he's done messaging in Spanish. There um, have been events where he's done that. Uh, he's been made appearances in the Latino community. And those things are highly valued. I, I had, it was, wow. it was so surprising to me how much we've been hearing about the governor. Cause I think we think, Oh, it's gotta be local. It's gotta be the organization. And what that tells me is it doesn't mean that local organizations and trusted religious leaders or other leaders uh, don't have a significant role, but consistency of messaging is important and having it not just be someone in your community, but hearing a message from someone else at a higher level is also important. Uh, and so continuing to do what we can to have 
the messaging counter what disinformation is out there. Because we've heard everything, you know, from like it's going to turn you magnetic to COVID doesn't exist, you know, all, and everything in between. Um, wow. And so it's really an uphill battle, but I don't think that should lead us to say we shouldn't try to continue to have public health messaging that is disseminated at all levels because we know people are listening. And if we, you know, if we stop, the disinformation will certainly take over. It most certainly will. Dr. Evelyn, um, with the disinformation, uh, with the knowledge that uh, a lot of Latino workers, uh, especially those in the healthcare care uh, field, were coming down with COVID-19, that's got to be certainly a major mental health burden uh, to people. Um, what's being done or what has been done to... Uh, give them some mental health re- relief. I know I'm not probably using the right uh, term there, but to mm-hmm. take some of that stress off when it comes to the things they've had to think their way through and work their way through mentally with this pandemic in the Latino communities. I would say in general, uh, it, it is real toll that the pandemic has had in uh, communities of color, particularly Latinos, uh, a large percentage uh, lost their jobs, uh, lost family members, not one, but several family members. Yeah. Um, we're also, um, you know, didn't have an option in terms of showing up to work and minimizing risk uh, in terms of infection. Uh, they also couldn't take time off work to get vaccinated. And how the accumulation of stressors, real stressors, significant stressors can have on all individuals, but particularly those who uh, were um, unequally affected and negatively affected. On this edition, our guests are Professor Dr. Evelyn Barreo and Professor Dr. Lisa DeCamp of the Latino Research and Policy Center at the Colorado School of Public Health of the University of Colorado at Denver. Our focus is on health disparities in Latino communities. We will continue our conversation with them on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your vaccine and booster shots if necessary. And we do thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.